0: listening to on the road with mike and andy australia's number one weekly podcast made for aussie truckies by aussie truckies here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around australia on the road is proudly brought to you by nti australia's leading transport and logistics insurer visit the website at nti.com.au and queensland rail committed to improving safety through engineering innovation and education go to www.qr.com.au. G'day, it's episode 90 of On The Road, and it's great to have the pleasure of your company once again. This week, we're serving up a trucking smorgasbord of great entertainment for you. Mike talks truckies as first responders with industry experts Louise Bellato and Noel Pierce. And a little later, he ponders on some of the wise words of trucking writer The Interstater from Owner Driver magazine. As always, we've got all the latest from the the on-the-road newsroom courtesy of Big Rigs. Great new music releases from the Whitlam's Black Stump Band, as well as a brand new song from Aussie country superstar on the rise, Melody Moko. All this and more in yet another jam-packed on-the-road show. The big wheels are on the move, so...
1: Let's get this show on the road!
2: Yes, get on with it! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Truckers. And when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road. But when we're on the road, we're listening (laughs) to the big rigs on the road. (laughs) This is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and Radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio
1: Roadshow.com. <laughs>
2: It's amazing to me that truck drivers driving up and down the highway aren't regarded with a little more care and consideration sometimes. We have the situation where often we are the first on the scene. We're the first person that gets there right after the wrecks happen and the wheels are still spinning and the steam's coming out of the radiator. Some poor truck is going to be running towards it with not a clue often what to do. So in light of that, recently at the ATA conference on the Gold Coast, Louise Bellardo, who's the Northern Territory Road Transport Association representative, presented to the ATA a plan to do some first responder training with truckies. Now, I've also managed to get Nola Pearce from Trauma Sim in Western Australia. So we're on a three-way phone call here at the moment. We never talk about this first responder training and what it means and how it could help the truckies, A, deal with what they're going to have to deal with, and B, help save some lives, because that's what it's all about. NOLA and Louise, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having us along. Yes, thank you, Mike.
2: Louise, first to you. The presentation that you made to the ATA detailed the fact that you've spoken to people up in the Territory who were first on scene at accidents, 161 drivers you've surveyed, and 105 of those said they'd been first on scene. Why did you decide to go down this track
4: and have a look at this? Yeah, thank you for that question, Mike. Over 30 years in my career, I've been working in the road transport industry with people, supporting them psychologically after they've had traumatic incidents. And I've also delivered training on fatigue risk management. And when I was doing the fatigue risk management training between 2012 and about 2016, one of the questions I asked drivers besides how are you sleeping was, have you ever been first on the scene at a road accident? And anecdotally, around 70% of those people that I was doing the training with said that they had. But when we went looking for hard evidence on the subject, internationally, there was nothing around what truck drivers experienced. There was this term, first responders, and there was quite a bit of information around that, especially from the United States perspective. But it didn't ever refer to those who weren't police, fire and emergency services yet we did know that there were very often truck drivers who were first on the scene and first responders. Mm. That survey, which was actually a national survey, reinforced what we had understood anecdotally to be the case. Yes, truck drivers very often are first on the scene And what else came out of that survey was that truck drivers very often continue on their journey after they've had that experience being first on the scene and often for more than an hour. Mm. And other critical information that came out of that survey was that very often it was more than once that those truck drivers had been on the scene and had never had any additional psychological support or hadn't even written an incident report very often with their employers so, there was no post incident debriefing or support for them.
2: It's impossible when you drive past a place where something traumatic's happened and you were there or you were part of it to not think about it. But it still affects you. And my concern is that it is an ongoing problem for drivers. And I think this is where NOLA's work comes into it as far as the training goes. If we can actually do some training for drivers and promote the experience to them in a way that they can give them some clue. A simulator is never, ever, ever going to replace the reality, the stress, the adrenaline, the dark, all the environmental issues that come into it, never, ever going to replace that. But at least if you can get some sort of a feel about what you should do and what you shouldn't do with a simulator, then that's a valuable experience. Oh, well, just to come to you now, your business, Trauma Sim, is unique in the world as far as I'm aware in, in the services that you provide. I believe even the Israelis have used a bit of your stuff to train their people. Certainly, there are Australian police forces that have used you. If it's good enough to train the police and the military, why isn't it good enough to train rosy truck drivers using proper technology and support?
3: Yeah, that's a really good comparison. I think when I look at military, which we've worked with for many years now, and police more recently... There's a few comparisons, I guess, to truck drivers in that it's not their prime job to be that first responder. It's not that they're medically trained or paramedically trained. They have other skills and talents that their job has them doing. But just by the nature of their work, they are often the first person to be there on the scene when something goes terribly wrong. So it makes sense to train them as best we can to be able to deal with that situation. So I look at that from two perspectives. One is that they're in the best position to be able to potentially save someone's life. Then there's that aftermath that you spoke of with how they cope with life afterwards. I think we're all very familiar with hearing that soldiers and paramedics and police, fire officers too, have a high rate of post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. I think as much as men like to be tough and not have to sort of worry about that stuff, It is a reality of life, unfortunately.
2: Well, it is. Simply put, you don't have to be on the Tanami to be alone with someone on the side of the road for a long time. If you just look up and down Highway 31, the Yume Highway, if something happens at Gunning, the closest ambulance is Canberra. Yes. And that's 45 minutes away at a minimum. And there are plenty of places out there in the middle of the night when we're out there working, that's the case. You're not going to get an ambulance on scene and in 45 minutes, someone can bleed to death potentially.
3: Absolutely.
2: Or have some other serious issue occur, which will be a lifelong debilitating thing. And there could be some simple thing that a truck driver or anyone can do to help alleviate that situation.
4: Exactly. The point you made about the Hume Highway is an important one because. What the research survey found was that a significant portion of the incidents that the truck drivers were attending as first responders were on the main highway. I had assumed that it would be on our unsealed remote road networks where the majority of accidents happened, but there was actually a lot on the main highway network. And part of the pilot project, there's been so many layers that we've actually been able to uncover through this research survey and then the practical hands-on course that we delivered that was specifically tailored to the road transport industry. So one, it doesn't replace first aid training. It's only short. It's about four hours, five hours with the before and after. And it's very practical and hands-on. And that's where NOLA and Trauma Sims materials and the equipment that the drivers are trained in is so important. It does make it very realistic and lifelike. And they're dealing with those emergencies, skilling themselves up around tourniquets and chest seals and things which they wouldn't normally have ever been trained in. The other is what to do as soon as they get out of the truck. So we've got a template and then they've got that in their head and it's really clear, step one, step two, step three, location, how they're calling it in, how they're going to use, whether it's a sat phone or a mobile or two-way, to make those instructions very clear because every minute counts what they're doing at the scene and who they're instructing because very often it's the truck driver who ends up taking control So even if they're first on the scene, they end up being the first responder because other people look to them. Exactly. Whether it's around traffic management, traffic control, all those instructions that they're solid and clear on. And then, as I said, the other component is in the aftermath and that personal care And then providing skills and training information to the employer so that that driver, when they call it in and says, I've just been sitting on the side of the road at a fatality and I've been doing this, this and this. Then the employer knows what to do next and how to either offer assistance, which may be declined at that time, but also how to check in later and to follow things up.
2: So are we talking about some sort of a procedure sheet or something like that we can refer to in the door pocket of the truck?
3: Oh, look, that could definitely be a useful way to go about it. I think in the actual training, they'll go step by step through that. Yep. So the the DRABCD part that is taught in a standard first aid course, that is reiterated in this training, but then the training will hone in on the hemorrhage control aspect of that A lot of us were taught in the old DRABC and that always put hemorrhage or bleeding after all of that.
2: Yes, it did.
3: And these days, the modern way of dealing with that is that if you've got someone with a life-threatening hemorrhage, there's no point going through all the rest of that process and they're bleeding out on the floor. So there's some very simple techniques that they can learn with the tourniquet application to stem the flow of that bleeding very early on. And then they can step back into that uh, standard DRA,
2: I suppose really that's the thing, isn't it? Yes. We're going to throw to a break when we hear from one of our fantastic sponsors and we'll come back.
0: There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page.
2: Now, Louise, you had a kit there. I saw a photo of a first aid kit that you were looking at. Now. As we said earlier before the break, a lot of trucks these days do have a first aid kit in it. It's got a few band-aids and maybe some forceps and a couple of things to get a splinter out of your finger. Not a lot of pressure dressings in there, not a lot of (laughs) heavy trauma dressings in there. Is that what you're suggesting, making an additional kit or just sort of beefing out one that exists already?
4: Well, again, the purpose of the training, which is specialised for the road transport industry, is to be able to then provide an easily accessible... So the kit that we've supplied to the truck drivers who participated in the pilot, and that was an extra amount of funding from the Northern Territory Government, was to incentivise them to call me for the next three years to tell me if they'd been first on the scene. But that kit has shears that will cut through a seatbelt, for example. One of the things that isn't in it at the moment, but we will look to put in there potentially as a snake bite kit, because a lot of our remote responders are also dealing with those sorts of things, which is separate to what we had seen with the hemorrhage control. But the tactical first aid kit includes a top of the range tourniquet. They've been taught to use the tourniquet. It's very easy for them to either use it on themselves or to use it on others. And so that just allows them to grab something quickly. They might grab their satfinders, they'll grab that from under the seat and then they're ready to go. As we've emphasised, the industry is helping that target towards zero 2050 in terms of road safety. What we've shone the spotlight on, and we're saying that now that we know it, you can't ignore it, is this gap where our road transport industry are first on the scene and can help to save lives and the work that NOLA has done with the Queensland Police, they've already indicated that in the couple of years since the police have been undertaking that training, they've saved at least 90 lives in their work jobs. That's separate to whatever lives might have been saved in their personal lives that they're not counted. So we're seeing that if we deliberately take an approach of supporting our truck drivers in a way that's going to actually be efficient and effective... So good for the employer, good for the driver, good for the person on the side of the road. We're not rushing this, but we want to see an approach that actually doesn't leave this unspoken area ignored. And so that's our whole intention now is to say, okay, well, the pilot showed us a whole heap of things and the survey educated us a lot as well. So now we're going to be very deliberate. And Mike, the response from the ATA conference presentation has been phenomenal. Road transport operators and companies are very keen to do the training because it is targeted, it is specific, it speaks to truck drivers.
2: The most important thing is to get into the truck driver's ears and help them to understand that they can in fact make a difference if they know what they're doing. We do have a certain amount of Good Samaritan support in this country. If you're there trying to do the right thing and trying to help, no one expects that you're going to magically save someone's life. But the fact is that by doing a few simple things, controlling blood loss or something like that, you can magically save someone's life. And I tell you, from personal experience, and I'm sure you know as well from your previous experience, Nola, nothing gives you more satisfaction deep down inside than to know that someone is going back to their family because you helped them on the side of the road.
3: Absolutely. I think we all know that not every life can be saved but there are those out there where what we do in those first five to ten minutes can make a massive difference and can really save lives. It is a nice feeling to know that someone goes home to their family.
2: I suppose the other thing to look at the important part of the training as well would be to teach drivers how to protect themselves while they're doing this work. Don't go in with bare hands, for example, and have a look around and make sure you're seeing what's going on before you start to do anything. I've long held the idea that we should have proper training for drivers, there should be a proper school, we should do a proper commercial driver's licence in this country and how to be a first responder on the side of the road should be a part of that training. I've got no doubt about that. I can only add my voice to yours to call for some funding to help people understand what they can do to help save some lives on the side of the road.
4: Thank you very much, Mike. That's so important for us We reinforce the point you just made about the impact on an individual if they feel confident and competent to do the job. As Nola said, if a life can't be saved but you drive off to continue in your role knowing that you did everything possible at the time, that's much more likely that you will be okay, that resiliency building will be there and you won't experience a post-traumatic stress condition impacting long-term in the aftermath of that. Our workforce is ageing. We need to retain as many of our workforce as possible, as healthy as possible. And so we in the industry have an obligation to do whatever we can to address that. And this is one component of it.
2: Mm, It's a vital component. I'd like to thank you both for coming on the show and telling us about it, Louise, thanks for your work and the research that you've done and the fact that you've been up there in the territory walking the walk for years. You're an inspiration to a lot of people, I know that. Thanks for giving me some more of your time. I really appreciate that.
4: We'd sincerely like to thank NOLA and the Trauma Sim Group and obviously Western Roads Federation too, Mike, because NOLA's been doing this type of work for a very long time. We've been able to marry up where our problems have been with the skills and experience that Trauma Sim have For truckies, it is the real deal that hammers home the training, whereas if it's Mickey Mouse or if it's gimmicky stuff, it just doesn't sit well with the road transport industry. So that's why the trauma sim expertise is so important through this.
2: It is. I went and visited Nola's shop front for the want of a better description in Perth when I was over there. And saw some of the simulated injuries that she had there. And I was extremely surprised (laughs) with the realism of them. So much so that I actually said to Nola when I was there, all that's missing is the smell. And (laughs) Nola told me that she can correct that as well. I'm not sure. Yes,
3: well, I guess what we're trying to do is to not have like classroom training. I think in a classroom training with a PowerPoint presentation, you can learn knowledge, but to learn skills, you need to be touching something and feeling it and doing it. Yes, I agree. And that's the best way to learn. And we've found that across all the different industries that we've supported with this type of training. People remember it so much more if they've been able to get their hands in and
2: actually do stuff. Well, as we said, we're not trying to turn them into paramedics. Right. We're trying to give them some an exposure to something that looks right, feels right, is right and how to deal with something that they wouldn't normally see and save that life on the side of the road. Ladies, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. I hope to talk to you both down the track. Thank you.
4: Thanks, Nola. Thanks, Louise.
2: That was Louise Bellato, the CEO of the Northern Territory Road Transport Association, and Nola Pearce, the boss over at Trauma Sim in WA. It's really quite an incredible, unique business in the world. If you want to see some of the stuff, have a Google on Trauma Sim and have a bit of a look. It really, really, really is very realistic and I think probably a hands-on experience would be a good way to go. You come there, Andy. and yeah, i got you go. Mate, we're coming up that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about 2Ks to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. Would want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver, probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go after you, old mate.
0: This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. Kermie
1: here from Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcast every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you.
0: Everyone remembers Aussie band The Whitlams, best known for their mega hit Blow Up the Pokies. Now, here's a quick refresher for you. The Whitlam's piano player and vocalist extraordinaire is Tim Friedman, and he's been fronting a new outfit called the Whitlam's Black Stump Band. The band is currently gearing up for a mammoth tour right down the east coast to celebrate their latest single. Now, if you're a rugby league tragic like me, and you have been for a long time, you'll have vivid memories of the 1970 grand final. It was the South Sydney Rabbitohs versus Manly, and in only the third minute of the game, South's legendary captain John Sattler came out of a tackle with a really badly shattered jaw. Incredibly, he went on to play out the entire game in agony. The Bunnies went on to win that grand final and a legend was born. Here's Tim Friedman and the Whitlam's Black Stump Band with their new single which immortalises The Day John Sattler Broke His Jaw. South's 26 easily beat West's 7 and North's assured Parramatta of the wooden spoon. South's form today suggests the other three semi-final teams, whoever they are, will need to show a big improvement to wrest the Premiership from the Rabbitohs.
1: Sunrise on the station Breaks a morning spell Red and green streamers flying Beside the railway view hotel Cleveland Street shuffle shining To the mighty roar We were walking through the twilight The day John sat and broke his jaw Living eight to a house Host Menzies landed plenty And there was nothing left For people like us In September 1970 Some worked the Everly Railway Yards Some worked the tanneries And the Botany Shore We didn't work a Saturday a John sat and broke his jaw If it's high enough If it's long enough If it's straight between the poles Shed no tears, for these days you miss the most And reached up and so sat shining And blackened from door to door And the tears rolled down like rashes The day John Sattler broke his jaw Saturday morning on the botany road Was mean and it was lean Rabbit killers in old Ford Falcons stalling through a richer man's dream By afternoon he would jam tight Inside the hotel doors Even the TAB was empty The day John Sadler broke his jaw If it's high enough If it's long enough If it's straight between the posts Drink your beer Shed no tears for these days you missed the most. Every step and so sad, shine Down to Flaggale with the ghost of Dave Sands. Clothes lines are flying high, the sun is sinking behind the flats. The stone girls walk in circles with their babies on their backs. As big trucks roll down wide streets, heroin filled storms. And pay TV hey. hey If it's high enough, if it's long enough, if it's straight between the posts Drink your beer and shed no tears for these days you miss the most Every step I'm so sat shining The day John Sadler broke his jaw. When the tears roll down like rashes, the day John Sadler broke
2: his jaw. G'day everyone, this is Gordon, your favorite Canadian refugee trucker living in America. On the Road Podcast with Mike and Andy. Everything that's good about trucking and the land down under. What a great show. Thanks a bunch.
0: It's time for That's What You Think.
2: Who never used to flip straight to the back page of Owner Driver just to see what the interstater had written this time? I know I used to, all the time. I used to love to read what the interstater had to say used to amuse me how he would have his finger on the pulse and how he would be able to cut straight to the heart of whatever issue it was he'd chosen to address for his column and sometimes several issues. I wonder why people don't see things so plainly sometimes. Tried to get the man himself on the show a couple of times and he's declined. He did say to me that he doesn't think that people can handle the truth. Well, I don't know. I think that truth-telling is sometimes a good thing—a bit of a cleanse. Nothing like a bit of a cleanse. Anyway, if you're out there, mate, and you are listening to the show, my phone number's still the same: o four one eight seven double two four double eight. Give me a ring. We can have a chat. I'd love to have your views on the show. So, anyway, with that in mind, I saw a bit on Facebook that he'd written, and I thought I'd share it with everyone because it is so true. Something that I've thought about myself from time to time, and certainly something that all the drivers out there driving their big flash bangers probably should have a little bit of a think about. Wage theft is a thing in this industry, it really is. It's a pandemic in the industry. It's not endemic, it's a bloody pandemic. The majority of guys out there are not being paid properly for what they do. It's not a case of, we give you the money and then steal it back off you. No, 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 that's not the issue. We just don't give it to you in the first place. And everyone seems to think that's great. No one seems as though they've got a problem with it. We'll give you a nice new K200 big cab and we'll throw a couple of two or three trailers behind it and you'll smile because it's got some gold bezels on the instrument or something. The days of that are over. I don't know about the rest of you, but I like to drive. I still love to drive. I still love the industry, but it's not about the ego for me. I really don't care if the wheels are shiny. I really don't care if I've got gold bezel instruments or plain ones. I really don't care. What it comes down to for me is what I'm getting paid for what I'm doing. Fortunately for me, I've got a great job and I get plenty of overtime and it all gets paid properly and it's wonderful. There are a lot of guys out there that are getting ripped off every day. You should have a think about it. So this is what Jeff's talking about. He wonders how many people have worked out that drivers being paid less money to drive a B-triple than they are for a B-double. And he says, no way, you say. Well, you'd be wrong. Goes like this. Let's say a driver's getting 50 cents per K and he averages 100 kilometers an hour just to make it easy. Now, these are Jeff's words. I'm reading from what he's written here. He's therefore making about 50 bucks an hour. We know it to be true. It's just straight maths, right? So now he hooks up his second A trailer, turning it into a B triple, and the boss generously gives him an extra two cents a K. And as he points out, this seems to be the industry standard at the moment. So now he's getting 52 cents a K and everyone's going, oh, wow, woo, 52 cents a K, awesome. I'm getting paid 52 bucks an hour now. Well, no, you're not because you're now only allowed to do 90 kilometers an hour because you put that extra trailer in and you're not going to average 90 kilometers an hour. I got stuck behind one the other day going up aeroplane. Man, it was painful. Not only are you losing 10% of your road speed, you're losing 10% of your distance travel per hour and you're therefore losing 10% of your pay. So your $0.52 a K is now reduced by $0.5.2 per kilometre, which brings you back to $0.46.8 a K. You're already behind. So for the privilege of taking the pay cut, you now have 12 more tyres that could need changing, and you're not being paid any downtime. More to the point, you're going to find it extremely difficult to get a park anywhere near a town or a shop. Not as if it's easy now with a B-double, or even a single sometimes. It's just bloody impossible to get a park somewhere sometimes. Anything bigger than a, you know, I don't know, a caravan. <laughs> don't even start me. Anyway, every time you come up beyond anything that's a bit slower than you, old mate, the farmer doing 50 kilometres an hour, you're just going to have to sit there. In the case of, he says, Collins Transport, it's said that they are getting an extra 8 cents a kilometre for their new B-triples. So let's say they're now on 60 cents a kilometre. They're losing 6 cents a kilometre out of their 8 cents. Okay, does that make sense? The 10%, that's basic. Like all these wizards with the extra responsibility for telling another A-trailer, they're carrying another 12 pallets of freight, and for that egotistical euphoria, all the employer can justify paying them as a 2 lessy cents per kilometre extra in their pocket. Do I need to remind you that there's still tax to come out of that 8 cents? And so when you get home to your front door, at least, you're 10% worse off. So there you have it. Go get yourself a job driving and a big flash banger like the ones being posted all over Facebook. And boys and girls, these are the things that legends are made of, over. I can't see an issue with any of that, you know. It really does amaze me. They said, oh yeah, you know, they're only going to be used for depot to depot and all that sort of stuff. I remember that same thing being said about B-doubles when they first come in. Oh, they'll only be used for depot to depot. You won't have to take those anywhere. And then all of a sudden, some smart ass said, oh, no, I can get a B-double in there. And the next thing you know, we're all doing deliveries with them. Bloody ridiculous. And you're not getting paid anymore. They go slower up and down the hills. You lose in every way you lose. How often have you stood there, B-double drivers, strapping up your B-trailer, knowing that you've still got your A-trailer to go? Half a trailer of freight. And you're still not out the gate. You haven't even got your paperwork yet, probably. You've still got to worry about all that. And then you know, you just know, that the night has only just begun. How would you like to have that extra trailer, eh? How would you love that third trailer? Two cents a kilometre. Tell me you're not being ripped off with a straight face. You just can't, can you? Anyway, Jeff, mate, if you're listening, as I said, 0418722488, please feel free to give me a call. There is a lot of stuff that you and I could talk about, I guarantee.
3: This is Jane Denham, and you're listening to Mike and Andy on the road.
0: For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. G'day, Mike. Welcome to our brave new world post the election, I think.
2: It is a brave new world, mate. i tell you, a little bit torn over the result. Yes. I did predict that it was what was going to happen, and I certainly foreshadowed that in the last bit I wrote in Big Rigs. But mm. now we're here, mate. The planets have aligned. We've got a Labor government. We've got Labor government in a lot of the states, and we'll talk about it through the news, I suppose. I guess we will. Just It,
0: it intrigues me the way we can have a new government formed by a party that got its lowest vote mm. ever. <laughs> Fun system.
2: Well, the vagaries of the uh, preferential voting system. I mean, if we had a first-past-the-post system, we'd still have a Liberal government, but, I mean, were they really Liberal or not? Yeah. We don't do politics on this show, do we, really? No.
0: No, no. No, nor should
2: we. (laughs) Mate,
0: I discovered this last week that being married is quite similar to being a professional football player. All right. I mowed the lawns and did a bit of gardening the other day, and when I came in late, just before dinner time, the bride smiled at me, patted me on the bum and said, You did a good job out there today. I've decided to extend your contract for another year. <laughs> yeah, yep. Lovely. I suppose I should be grateful for that.
2: Well, I mean, at least you're still signed on the line, mate.
0: Well, I've yet to see the signature, but anyway, we've got it <laughs> verbally and I did record it. Okay. Mate, with all the kerfuffle over the aforementioned federal election, it's not surprising that a lot of our news this week flows on from that. Yeah. So to kick us off, with the new Labor government pledging before the election to act on Senate recommendations tabled last year, calling for an independent transport industry group, Mm. several major organisations, including, and not surprisingly, the TWU, ARTIO and the NRFA, are calling for a new regulatory body to be formed.
2: Well, it was one of the recommendations that came out of the RRAT inquiry conducted by Senator Stirl. Hmm. It was one of the things that the politics, the Liberal government said they weren't interested in. They weren't interested in talking to the drivers because, God, what would we know? We only use the roads. Yeah. So (laughs) Senator Stirl's been banging on about this for as long as I can remember. I think that we're going to be well on the way to seeing this group and a lot of other things happen. I think that the planets have aligned. We've got Labor governments in a lot of the states now and a Labor government federally, a senator who was the shadow assistant minister before, Mm. who is fairly committed to the whole thing. Every reason for it to happen. I can't say I've got no insight into what's going to happen in the shakeout of the next couple of weeks. I had a bit of a chat with Senator Stirl earlier today, as a matter of fact, and we will get him on the show as soon as we can, as soon as the Cabinet's been sworn in and the jobs have been allocated. I won't be surprised if he gets the Assistant Minister's position. Mm. And if he does, then I think that he will move heaven and earth to fulfil the commitment that he's put in the past. So I think good times ahead for transport as far as at least being heard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of promises there
0: and proofs in the pudding and all that. Mm. We'll see how it all goes. In a similar vein, Nat Rhodes has welcomed the new PM and stated that it's looking forward to working with the new Transport Minister. And the VTA has called for the industry to come together to bring about genuine reform. So there's a lot of talk and a lot of it's very optimistic too, it seems.
2: Well, everyone's a little bit optimistic. It's going to be the Glen Stirl News Show, I'm pretty sure, but mm-hmm. the man has walked the walk. He's driven a truck, he's owned a truck, he's been out there and still does it, I believe his son drives. He's got very deep roots in the transport industry, and he's been working as long as I can remember. Now, there was a time when Glenn Stirl and I didn't see eye to eye on a few issues, Mm. and that was just simply because of the fact that I can be a stubborn old bastard, and I didn't want to give him any credit for what he was doing, which was good. Since I've had a look at what's going on and since I've come to know the man and we've talked and looked at what needs to be done, we're going to find across the board that there are a lot more of us that are a lot more, have got a lot more in common than we have separating us. Mm. The reality of it is, is that we all need to be at the table. We all need to sit at the table and discuss what's going on for the benefit of industry. Glenn's prepared to do that. The TWU are prepared to do it. Certainly all the other trucking bodies are prepared to do it. And I think that if it's ever going to happen, then this term of government, it's the best chance we've had. And I think it's probably a smart time for people to realise that the things that we have in common, the industry that we have in common, needs to benefit from the fact that we can get a few things done this time around.
0: Yeah, well... It's always difficult for any party in opposition to make anything happen. Mm. It's not the way our system works. Mm. And Since time began, every political party that's been in opposition has, coming up to election, made every promise under the sun. Yep. Ultimately, whoever it is... It's there to be proven in the long run. So, it sure is. All the best plans and all the best promises mean nothing if they don't come to fruition. However, mm. you live in hope that sometimes these things do happen and yeah. this could be the time.
2: Well, just to look at the detail of this Nat Road story, mm. there's a lot of stuff in here that they're talking about repeating their post-budget call for the fuel tax credit to be restored immediately and the impact of zeroing out the credit and what that was. There's a lot of stuff that was done in the at the end of the last government To be perfectly honest with you, I hate to break it, but I don't see the fuel tax credit being returned. I really don't. Mm. But I do see the formation of this representative body that Glenn was talking about. You know, I put my hand up. I'd like to be part of that Mm. because, as I say, you've got to have a seat at the table. There are a lot of things that went with the Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal. There's a real baying and gnashing of teeth about that now because people are scared. It was a cock up last time. It really was. Yep. You had the situation where if you had a driver in a truck, you were charging one rate, but if the bloke that owned the truck got in, it was going to be paid at another rate. It was just ridiculous. Couldn't, Unworkable. Mm. I think those lessons have been learned, or at least I'd like to think they have been. Conversations that I've had with Senator Searle and with others we'll be making it clear, even from the sidelines, what needs to happen. Anyone who denies that there's a link between safe rates, proper maintenance, profitability, and lives lost on the road, if anyone doesn't think those things are related, they need to get out of the industry because they've got no clue. Yep, Simple as that. Or get back under their rock. Get back under your rock, indeed.
0: And mate, lastly to tidy us up for the week's news, mm. a Queensland trucking company based in Crestmeat has announced that their entire modern fleet will be going under the hammer when it closes its door after 30 years of servicing the southeast of the state.
2: Yeah, well, this is a, a story like breaking news, I suppose. Beep 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 beep, beep and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Just to save you from digging up that sound effect, mate. <laughs> I don't know whether this is a news story or an ad for Grace. Yeah. This little bit here. Yeah. I think it just highlights what's going on. I mean. Thurwood's gone, Terry Thurwood's closing his doors. they are blokes going to wave bye bye to him and say, We'll see you later, mate. Good riddance. There are other people that liked him, I mean, each to their own. Mm. Now we've got Armitage going. I mean, there's been a sway, hasn't there? Mm. We've done stories about this before Maranoa Freight Lines, Burke's. Companies just closing up and just sending their fleets to the auction and saying, That's it, we're done. I honestly believe that that's a function of the fact that the landscape could have changed in five seconds with a government health order, and it did for the last couple of years. It's harder to get good drivers. It's harder to do anything these days than it used to be. And I think people are worried about protecting whatever that they've built to save and basically get out because it can all be overturned in five seconds flat by someone who's got no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think a lot of that's part of it. And I think that also we've got a few guys discovering now that they've been running on margins that are too thin for too long. Yeah. And it's getting hard to do fleet replacement. It's getting a harder environment. And this is another one of the reasons why we come back full circle back to this RSRT. It's one of the reasons why we need to have this conversation. Yeah. Well, fairly
0: safe to say in recent times, the most profitable businesses in transport have been the auction houses.
2: (laughs) Well, that's right. You know you make a small fortune in trucking, don't you? Start off with a large one. Start off with a large one, (laughs) indeed. That's it. Yep. So, mate, I was having a bit of a dig around the other day, Mm. and I came across a couple of podcasts that you did, one called The Boomer Lounge. Yep, yep. And I listened to the Frank Ifield interview that you did. Mm-hmm. Oh, mate, Frank, oh, I remember you. Mm. <laughs> I think Frank probably does it a little bit better than me. I hope he's not listening. So do I. <laughs> you never know. He's only just up the road from me, apparently. Yeah, he is. Yep. Mate, I was amazed to hear that he was at the start of the career of the Beatles. He certainly was. Mate, i tell you what, it was just a fairly wild interview, and his mum must have been a hell of a character too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wanted, if you wanted, to sort of wheel a few of those out and just sort of tack them on to the end of the show like we did with the New Zealand thing the other week. Well, we might even put them out as bonus episodes. There
0: were some interesting characters on the Boomer Lounge. Essentially, the principle of that particular podcast was it was just a place for over 50s to go where they could hear about some of the people that they've known all their lives, some of the the more high-profile older Aussies, I suppose, Hmm. talking about their lives and their careers and their futures. And it was really interesting stuff. And Frank was certainly one of the more interesting ones, the only man with the audacity to tell the Beatles to turn down. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed when I heard that could be stuff of interest so we might pop a few out as additional episodes anyway for anyone interested there's a few of us that are up in around and getting close to that age bracket there'll be some names there that you'll know and you might find it quite interesting
2: the more i learn i don't know
0: the less you know
2: the less i know the more i
0: learn the less i know with that in mind and your comment earlier about us learning from experience ties in quite well with the thought for the week Mm -hmm. we have learned from experience that most people
2: never learn anything from experience (laughs) <laughs> and once again, there's something in that for all of us, I think. <laughs> there is indeed. Mate, have a top week. Take it easy. Good to catch up, bud.
0: On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rings, Australia's national road transport newspaper.
5: Australia, it's a jail. <laughs> It's a jail, you all, you're prisoners, and you don't like to talk about it, you're sensitive about it, you want to forget the past and move on into the future like every country that has a suspect past. (laughs) You know, it's a totally inhospitable place, you shouldn't be here. The sun, you live about three quarters of a mile from it, and, um... (laughs) I've seen insects walking around with knee pads uh, you fling yourselves into the sea when you're not actually walking around audibly crackling in the heat and, uh, and the sea is full of jellyfish and sharks and other things who hate you, but you persist in living here. But so, you all really come from, from Irish prisoners and, and that was because the English sent you here a long, long time ago. And um, the English were very good at that, you know, at founding colonies and so on. A lot of it was because of the voice, the English voice. Irish people you never see starting a colony, you know, willingly, because Irish people wouldn't turn up. They would say, We'll go over there, it's got loads of stuff, are you coming? I will, yeah, I've just got to meet my brother for a quick drink. And uh, do it. I have to pick up some knitting and things. I'll be there. No. But, the English were very good at it because they have that voice, you know, where they can go anywhere in the world. They go to Africa, say, and they say, What's your name? Hello, hello. Um, your... Fubu, hello, how are you? Hello, hello. Uh, listen, umfubu, Fubu, Fubi, I've got some beads here in my pocket. Would you like to see them? Would you? Would you like to... Would you want to? Listen. Clicky-clacky sound they make. Aren't they pretty? You keep those. You have those. You enjoy those. Walk away. They're yours. I'll just have, from where you're standing, to the horizon. Thank you very much. <laughs> they were all very good at that. But anyway, so it's a—you know—it's a jail you live in. It's lovely. You've done wonderful things with it, <laughs> but you are all still in denial. The only real reason I came—I don't want to see Urulu or wuruloo, or any of your other garden face exhibits. Uh, the only real reason I came here. ...is to kill a
1: wiggle. <laughs> right. Line number one You're supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you're doing Just smile and tell them, never better
0: We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you? Really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Oh,
1: am I the only one who says I'm fine? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine, but I'm not. So let the truth be told.
2: something to talk about I've just got off the phone from a conference call with noel appears from trauma sim in western australia and louise Bolado, the northern territory road transport association representative up there you've heard what louise and noel have had to say about it i suppose i'd just like to add that we are driving around all the time and we drive past things and we've all got a certain amount of baggage which we carry about with us we all suffer a certain amount of trauma in our lives, I suppose, for the want of a better description. Things that have happened around us, things that we've participated in, or things that we've witnessed, leave their mark on us. For me personally, I had a, one of my best mates lost his life in a truck accident several years ago, and he used to park his truck at a place beside the highway and leave his car there and uh, you know, drive home. And every time I drive past that spot now, I look over to see if his truck's there. How stupid is that? I mean, his truck's never going to be there again, but I still look. Every time I drive past, can't help it. Just do it. I suppose you could call that post-traumatic stress, and I don't know whether it is or it isn't. It doesn't keep me awake at night, but it's certainly something that takes a piece of my mind every time I drive past a spot. And I'm sure that everyone out there can relate to, if not something like that, an experience or a place and it's happy thoughts as well. I mean, we all got that song that reminds us of that happy thing that happened when we were 17. Life is full of experiences and we've got baggages, good and bad. Anyway, I just wanted to say that if you're going through a period in your life where sometimes some of that excess baggage that you've got is starting to affect the way you feel or anything like that, it's not weak to ask for help. It's not weak to talk to your mates It's not weak to talk to your boss, particularly if it's starting to affect the way you do your job. There are things that we talk about on this show. Mental health and well-being is one of the things that I thoroughly and 100% believe in. If you need some help or some guidance, reach out to whichever service or whichever group that you feel comfortable with and get some help. Healthy Edge Instruction Sheds, OzHelp, Beyond Blue, all of these can help you. I'm not reaching out for help because I look for my mate's truck every time I go past. But it's an example of the fact I think I'm a pretty strong-willed sort of a bloke. I've had experience in my life that do keep me awake sometimes. We all have it. Just reach out for help if you need it. That's the key, to know that the help is there. Something to talk about, something to think about. Keep it safe out there and we'll catch you on the road.
0: At this year's Golden Guitar Awards, a rising star was revealed, winning the new talent of the year she was also awarded with the country song of the year at the queensland music awards taking us out from the show this week from her second album entitled two kids and a radio here's the wonderful melody Moko with save me rock and roll
6: Straight out tonight I'll play for just the room and a lukewarm shower to poet's curse to have the words inside your head. I'll keep on singing while someone puts my kids to bed. The still call me.
0: that's the show for another week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. Be sure to join us again next week when Mike says, I just had a complete brain fart. Andy says, well, good luck with that. And our guest says... and roll. <laughs> Until then, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.
6: The road keeps rolling The party's got to end Which one of me is real and which one is pretend I'll keep working For a job with no guarantee And when I'm 65 Will someone take care of me The back still calling My rent still due I'm still trying